we sat down, or should I say, I sat down with Danny, or Daniel the Blue from Empower the the Invisible, who helps men who have been sexually abused or abused, and he shares his background, his upbringing, um, his you know life, you know before. He became involved in the mental health field, helping others. Um, within this, within the first few minutes, there is a trigger warning from Danny himself. So, if at any point you are triggered by what is discussed, then do please sit this one out. I do mention this in the actual episode, but I wanted to. Do do a intro just to mention that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay, mate. No, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, if you don't wanna, so, if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, yeah. then we don't have to talk about it. Okay. You know, we can skip over it. Yeah. So, first of all, um, how did you get into peer support? Yeah. Um, so, it's a kind of big question, that, to be honest with you. Uh, and there's no kind of um, immediate short answer. So I spent, um, well, if I kind of like start off at my childhood, really, because it goes back that far, um, if you don't mind me going into it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, obviously, just before I start talking, um, I'd just like sort of issue a trigger warning because obviously um, I don't want to upset anybody or trigger anybody, but there's kind of no way of getting around it um, other than talking about what's happened. But the thing is, I can talk about what's happened without going into graphic detail about what's happened, if you know what I mean. So, um, you know, my, my kind of sort of problem started around vulnerability and being vulnerable and being left vulnerable. So my mum left me when I was a baby, when I was like 18 months old. She left me in a house and disappeared. Um, and I got found three days later off my auntie. Um, because I've been left in that house for so long, with no food and I've been changed and that kind of stuff. Um, I had to go to hospital, um, went to hospital, they couldn't find my mum, she disappeared and um, the um, an army welfare officer came around because my dad was in the army, he wasn't around and so I got took into care, um, went into care for a while when I was little and um, my grandparents got custody of me. Um, so from the outside looking in, you'd think that was a great thing. But, um, you know, my granddad was like sort of a businessman. He was a pillar of society. He was a magistrate for 29 years. Um, looked like the perfect kind of um, guy from the outside, really, and somebody you'd want as a parent. Um, but what was happening is my granddad was sexually abusing me, and he did that from the ages of 5 to 10. Um, you know, that's why I've got this thing about vulnerability, which I'll talk about later and using that vulnerability and turning it round into a kind of sort of skill, um, if you like to get help. Um, so that went on till I was like 10. So, you know, my education's quite poor. And that was because at the time um, that was supposed to be learning and stuff, um, you know, there was abuse going on at home at my grandparents. And, um, you know, that kind of disrupted my learning and my ability to take things in. 
Um, I was very naughty at school, um, which was a reaction to what was kind of sort of going on. So I was like, I think I was like sort of craving attention and, and wanting somebody to ask me what was up with me. Um, but nobody ever did. And that result, my behavior resulted in me going to like nine different primary schools and moving about a lot and stuff. Um, and like I say, no professionals ever exercised professional curiosity and sat me down and said, Daniel, what's up with you? Um, it was just this label that was slapped on me of like being naughty and disruptive and stuff. Um, <coughs> so going into, um, going into secondary school, um, my behavior was still off the wall and, um, I was kind of sort of out of control really. And, by the time I got to 15, um, the police came into school to do a talk about drugs and they come in with a briefcase and this briefcase had like, you opened it up and it had like perspex on it and it had all the different drugs inside and it was like, right, this does this, that does that, um, don't touch this, don't touch that. And they give us a brochure called The Score and I took it home with me, this brochure. And flipping, used it like a holiday brochure, to be honest with you. And I, I looked through, I seen what the different drugs did. And and I thought, this is just what I've been looking for. Because there was stuff in there around escapism and escapism and, you know, um, kind of, um, you know, feeling sleepy, feeling relaxed, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, what I'll do is I'll work my way through the book, like homework, and take each drug off as I've done it. Um I didn't have any money at that time because I was a kid. And what happened is somebody befriended me when I was 15. Um, an older, a guy who was 10 years older than me. Um, I was friends with his girlfriend at school. And, uh, you know, no one batted an eyelid about that. So she had a boyfriend who was 10 years older than her. She was 15. He used to pick her up from school and he got um, quite jealous of our friendship. And... Um, <clears throat> he come up to school one day to, I uh, got a message that he was going to stab me after school. And so I went out the gates at school and this guy pulled up and he went, oh, he's a mate of mine. It's all right. I'll sort it. Get in. So I got in the car with him. He took me home, um, picked me up in the morning, took me to school. He did that for a bit. And this guy sold drugs and was like the local drug dealer around our area. Um, he kind of took me under his wing because my dad wasn't bothered and, um, you know, he wasn't around and stuff and my mum wasn't around. Um, so we tried to play that father figure type role. Um, before you knew it, I was selling drugs for him at school and I was taking drugs, which progressed on to like heroin and crack. So by the time I was like 15 and a half, I had like a, a habit on heroin and crack, which he was paying for. And what he was also doing is, well, what he was doing is he was grooming me, but I didn't know what was going on at that time. I just thought he was giving me drugs. And um, whilst what he had this thing about spiking us and putting tamazes in our drinks and stuff, but what he was doing is he was spiking us with drugs. And when we was out conscious, um, he was sexually abusing and raping us, not just myself, other lads as well. So... That went on for a few years and people might listen might think, well, why don't you just leave? Why couldn't, why don't you just get off? Um, it wasn't that simple. Um, I'd been groomed and conditioned off him. Um, I didn't have anywhere to go. And, um, you know, I hadn't been homeless at that point. So I was staying at his house now and he was doing all this stuff to me and my friends. And I was kind of stuck with him. I was scared of him. Um, and it was like sort of the better the devil you know. So I kind of sort of put up with it. It wasn't till I was 21 and I got locked up and I went to prison that I got away from him. Um, so when I come out of prison, um, I just went I just went back to the drugs, mate. Um, because my head was like a washing machine on spin cycle. And I didn't have the words or the courage um was full of guilt and shame about what had happened and I just didn't want to talk about it and nobody ever asked me. 
<clears throat> so I just carried on taking drugs, got into more trouble, went into rehabs, detoxes, mental health teams, doctors, um, different institutions, you name it. Uh, that went on for many years. Um, and nobody ever sat me down and said, Daniel, what's up with you? It wasn't till I got into my 30s that I got a drug worker who was really good, who exercised professional curiosity and sat me down. He tried loads of stuff with me. Nothing worked. I couldn't stop taking drugs um, because I was like sort of using drugs on the trauma to quieten the trauma down. I didn't know I was doing that at that time, I don't think. Um, but that's a clever way my brain had come up with um, silencing myself, really. And he tried his best with me. Then I thought, he said, Daniel, I don't know what to do with you. And I thought, well, I don't know what to do with me. Um, so I just kind of sort of wrote myself off, basically. And six months later or something, I went back to the guy. I thought, there's something about him. Um, and he was a manager of the detox team at the time where I used to go to needle exchange and get me needles from. And I went back in to see him and he sat me down and he said to me, have you been through some sort of trauma when you was little? And then he spoke a little bit about stuff that he'd experienced. And that was, um, like kind of a light bulb moment really. Cause I thought, thank God for that. Not like in a weird way or anything, but I just thought, thank God for that. It's not just me. That's the first man I'd ever spoken to who had openly admitted that he'd been abused as a child. And that is when I started to get well. And he put me in detox. Um, I come out of detox and this guy was also a therapist. And he gave me 20 sessions on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, even 9 or 9.30 it was and helped me kind of sort of heal and how I healed was because of that connection so what he'd done with me there is he'd done some peer support he'd opened up about his own lived experience but had his professional head on as well and that guy saved my life to be honest with you because I was you know I'd overdosed many times with a hope of not waking up but I was at the point where I was just going to do myself in mate to be honest with you um yeah yeah when people say oh while like you you mentioning like why did people leave why did you leave yeah like say it's not that simple like same within if you're in a domestic violence yeah of course yeah mm Yeah. Just what, just, just reflecting on what you're talking about there. So, um, I think personally for the abuse that I went through at that time, um, it was wasn't, you know, it wasn't just about him sexually abusing me. Um, it was like you just um, eloquently spoke about that. It was about power and control, and it was about this person wanted to control me and take away my power so they could feel powerful. And um, that fills some kind of sort of um, sick, sadistic um, need in them, um, basically. But, you know, it just, when you were saying there about, you know, you've been through 
like sort of abuse like myself, but it was a different kind of abuse. We just like put that down to trauma. Do you know what I mean? If you suffered trauma, you've suffered trauma. Um, I don't, I, I don't think there's any like, um, you know, I don't think there's any comparison. You know, you, you, yeah, it's just trauma, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, mate. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you've said that. No, yeah. Yeah. Of course, mate. It's trauma. Yeah. 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 Mm. So I think I think um, something really important to. Um, like so, talk about <clears throat> is so. What do we do after the abuse has happened? Um, how do we move forward? So, um, myself and Rose, who's the co-founder, who, who's uh, my friend and colleague. Um, you know, we're massive believers in. You know, it's it's terrible what's happened. We can't change the past. But to like sort of move forward, um, we need to accept what's happened. And to accept what ha what's happened, that doesn't mean that you have to like it. You don't have to mean to say you have to forgive. But I think you you owe yourself and have a response responsibility to yourself um, um, to be happy, to be well, to be have as much opportunities as other people, and to like kind of live your life. But you know, we've got to take charge of our own recovery and we've got to take responsibility for our recovery because there's only us accepting help from others that can that can get us well. People can't do it for us, can they? Okay. Yeah. 
reading in it is for the good of the people. That's true, yeah, that's true. But that's not the majority. Yeah. So if you can, fight to get help. There are support numbers out there, if there's Samaritans. Mm. Um, I'm sure that um, I'll put some information down. Yeah, yeah, I'll put some links after, mate, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I really like what you're saying there, mate, because what what you're talking about for me is you're talking about carry, carrying a mess of, message of hope. So, so when I got, when I started to get well and I got help, um, I thought, how can I pass this on to other people? And at first, we were just passing it on to, um, I was just carrying a message to men basically other men like me and that's when I met Rose who was working with women at the time and we decided to come together and work with both men and women and carry a carry a bigger message to be honest with you to and 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 hit more people um so I feel we've got a responsibility to do that so well not everybody has but i just feel it's one of my responsibilities because it was like done for me so some people might go to therapy talk about the stuff and go and work on a building site or you know get a job in a pub or wherever and get on with the life do you know what i mean but like what you were saying it's important to pass it on to other people and show that you can you can get well if we couldn't billy we wouldn't be sat here now talking would we if it wasn't possible Yeah. Can Yeah. No, go on, go on, carry on, mate, carry on, sorry. Um, a man speaking out, and I feel like the women are getting a bit um, 
women are getting a bit kind of sort of disregarded as well. So I think we need to, um, you know, fight. We're not, it's not like, like sort of when a man speaks out, it's like, um, like some special token flipping case. Do you know what I mean? And, and everybody should be treated flipping, um, the same really. So I see that happening quite a lot, which is weird. Yeah, and family, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that just that last statistic there, um, the like key word in that for me was report and the majority of people don't report. So we don't know the true figures. And I just, um, there were a lot, um, um, there were a lot flipping higher than that, I'd say, because a lot of people don't disclose or don't go to the authorities, which is their decision as well, because it's your journey, isn't it? I don't think there is any true stats out there, mate. Yeah. 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 Yeah, mm hmm. That is true, mate. Who 
So do you mean if you suspect that a child's been sexually abused? Domestic violence. Yeah, so just on that kind of note, um, you know, we have had um, experiences in the past, like sort of um, professionally, where we've had suspicions um, that things have been going on or a child's been harmed. And, you know, if it's an immediate, obviously, safeguarding risk, um, obviously, you ring the police. But, um, you know, if you've got kind of sort of suspicions and sort of ideas and there's like sort of signs that stuff's gone on, but the person's not told you, um, you know, I think we'd rather re we'd rather take the risk and ring social services and tell social services and get it wrong um, than not say anything at all and just keep it to ourselves and a child ends up um you know sort of coming to harm if you know what i mean Or a man. Afterwards, we'll put some links up in it, Billy. You know where people can contact support services, phone numbers, text numbers, um, domestic violence places, all that kind, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Another like sort of good statistic which we use, which is like um, you know quite it's quite shocking 
is, um, you know, the average time for a female um, to report childhood sexual abuse, if I've got the statistics right, is between five and seven years. They'll keep it to themselves before they say anything, if they say anything. The average time for a man is, I think it's 25 to 27 years before they'll speak out. Um, but I think, you know, that's the stats at the moment. But I think something positive what's happening which is reflection on the back of what you're saying where members of the public other people who've suffered different traumas are speaking out and educating society um we're kind of sort of seeing a change in the um age of people who are coming seeing us and seeking support so before on average i'd say it was like 40 like sort of plus that people were seeking help and at the moment we're seeing a lot of um young people getting in touch 18 19 20 so i'm hoping that's a reflection on um people raising awareness stuff on the tv people like yourself people like me people like rose um uh and and all the other kind of sort of advocates out there and people who are raising awareness that the message is finally sort of trickling down and you know one of our um one of our goals is for us me and you to be you know the generation that says enough is enough so kids can look back uh, or our kids can look back and say you know what um you know me uncle billy or my dad or whoever was speaking out at that time so it could try and make a difference for young people of the future and encourage them to talk about mental health and mental well-being and and not be not be afraid to talk in it Yeah. 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 And you know, there's a lot going on. You've got the NHS workers, mental health suffering because mm. of what they're dealing with, PTSD, trauma. But we also have like a second like pandemic, which is suicide, and it's about getting good at this. Mm. And it doesn't matter how severe it is, or how acute the symptoms may be. If you are, if your mental health is suffering, Yeah. Right? Yep. And in the case of all the statistics, yes, I you know I look at her, I try and look at you know find statistics. Are they correct? No. But the guy Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Right, it's just, right? But the important is for anyone out there is to not get wrapped up in this. Mm. Like the news. Don't get wrapped up in this. Mm. Right. Do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. 
Of course we can. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So just reflect. So just reflecting on what you're saying there. So, um, so Rose again. She has a little few sayings, and one of the things that she talks about is like what you've just been talking about. So, um, you know what she says is, um, <clears throat> she says, "I am not my trauma. I'm a mother. I'm a friend." I'm a grandmother, um, you know, she's a, she's a, she's been a student, she's working, she's a colleague, you know, she's all them things, which is, um, despite being through that, going through that trauma, um, you know, you can achieve what you want to achieve, you just got to take responsibility for your recovery, not take responsibility for being abused, because it wasn't your fault, but take responsibility for your recovery, um, and you can shine, mate, you can shine, you can, you just got to put the graft in. Amazing little bit of advice that mate. It is. Well it's something I have to find I mean, you know, I do want to put this out there. I don't always achieve it. Yeah. But you don't have to but if you don't achieve it, don't beat yourself up by some f And the thing is as well, um, you know, for some people it's an achievement just getting out of bed that's an achievement and um and something my missus taught me um is you can always start your day again so if you're having a good if you're having a bad day do you know what i mean you can press the reset button and flipping start again you could either do a med- meditation for five ten minutes or whatever and think right let's start again let's take this day on again you can always start again mate can't you Yeah. If that, yeah. But, but even, but again, if I don't do it, okay, fair enough, I can do it on that night. Yeah. 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 Do whatever works for you. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Hmm. Billy, can I ask you a question? Um, where's where did you get the name from? Scars left behind. How did you come up with that name? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Cool. No, there's no one hat that fits all, mate. No, that's it. I'd just like to thank you for having me on, mate. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. And um, keep in touch. And I wish you all the best with your podcast. Um, I've felt really welcomed. And I've enjoyed it, mate. So thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to everyone, and again, 
anyone out there who listens, do please reach out. Right, it doesn't matter how far gone in your like trauma you've gone, still reach out. It's never too late, mate. It's never too late. Obviously, it's your decision, your choice. Yeah. You set your journey limit. Right? If you don't want to reach out, you don't want to reach out. That's your problem. Yeah. Never, ever feel ashamed. Yeah. Never, ever do that. That's good. what happened to you is not your fault. Yeah. I know that's easy for me to say it. Yeah. And I know it's easy, but... Yeah. True. Yeah, it's true, mate. Sometimes the truth always hurts. Mm. So, never <laughs> blame yourself. Reach out when you need to. And so everyone out there, stay safe. Yeah. And I will see you. And once again, thank you. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Um, Yeah, thank you, Billy. Take care, mate. Bye-bye, pal. Bye. Let's <laughs> see if I can come off it. What do you do, Billy? Do you click on the... To follow us over on our social media, head on over to our Instagram at Scars Left Behind. That's behind without the E. It's the, the same on Twitter. Also, if you would like to go over and give our Facebook page a like, it's at SLB Podcast. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Quaker, and if you have Amazon, Amazon Music, Amazon Prime, you can find our podcast on, on there as well.